I'm going to ask you to join me in Psalm 90. Psalm 90. And then after we take a look at this, we'll, uh, we'll uh, talk a little bit about what we're asking of God for the next year. If you study the Psalms, there's an interesting organization to them. They, they're actually separated into five books. Um, and some have posited that those five books are ordered to match the tone of the five books of the Pentateuch. And I think there is some evidence for that. Now, obviously, they're not perfect matches because they cover things that happen a thousand years or more after Moses' day. What's interesting about Psalm 90 is it's the first psalm of the fourth book of Psalms. And if, if that's so that it matches up with the Pentateuch, then it would represent the beginning of the book of Numbers. And that's interesting to me because even in this psalm, this psalm that was written by Moses, it says at the beginning that it was written by Moses, and it calls him the man of God. Did you know, I didn't realize this, only eight people in the Bible were ever called the man of God by name. David was one of them. There's two that if I called their names, none of us probably would have even really heard of them. And there's only one in the New Testament that's called a man of God. Anybody know? Timothy. But thou, O man of God. There's a lesson in that. Timothy, a young yet unproven Christian, already seen by an aged Paul as a man of God. But when you look at the beginning of this psalm, if it does correspond with, with, with numbers, there's a, lot, there's a lot to be said for that. Because think of where Moses is at the beginning of numbers. They're about to fail. The spies are about to bring back that evil report, 10 of the 12. And they will embark on 40 years of wandering. And Moses will know that he'll never see the promised land with human eyes. And Moses begins to think on his mortality. Moses, who lived 120 years, and in that 120 years, the Bible says that his, his eyes were not dim and his natural force was not abated. He didn't die of natural causes. Did you know that? He died because God said, that's it. Otherwise, Moses might have lived a good while longer. But even then, according to this psalm, people were beginning to have an average lifespan of 70, and if by reason of strength, 80. Moses is thinking about his mortality. Something that's interesting, there's also evidence to suggest that, that though they may correspond with the five books of the Pentateuch, Moses almost certainly wrote this psalm before he completed the Pentateuch. Next to Job, this psalm is probably the oldest piece of writing in the Bible. So let's look at it. Psalm 90. 
A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and says, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up, and in the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all of our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, that's seventy. And if by reason of strength there they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labored in sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us as established out the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. It's a natural thing at the end of a year to think, about the subject of time. I remember vividly all of the uh, fervor that went when we went from 1999 to 2000. My dad, to some degree, bought into it. And we had bags of rice and bottled water and stuff like that in the garage. Even at that tender young age of 25, I wondered, Dad, why are we not stocking up on ammo? If this is the real deal, that's what we need, because ammo will get us everything else. (laughs) Dad, uh, not much of a gun guy. I have uh, corrected that error in our own family over and again. That was a big year. And it turned out to be nothing. And a lot of us ate rice and beans for a good while after that. (laughs) (laughs) Me, I I did a little stocking up on my own. I got ramen and uh, stocked up on ramen. I could make it. We think of milestones in our lives. But even short of that, when a year transitions from one to the other, I mean, how many of us, the thought of 2024 seems so far away. And here we are. We are one year shy of being one quarter through this century. Wow. And you folks that told me as you get older, it goes faster. You're right. It just keeps moving. Now, some of y'all amen and you're younger than me. (laughs) What does that mean? It's natural on a night like this to think about time. 
And I think to a degree it's healthy. Now, you don't want to go too far with this. You don't want to live in constant regret that, that paralyzes you from doing anything for the Lord in the future. But it's a good thing to look back on the year and, and, and take note and inventory of how you used it for the Lord or didn't. And I think it's a good thing to look to the next year and purpose with his help to use it for him. This psalm is all about two things. It, it's all about the sovereignty of God. And it's all about how we are the servants of time. God transcends time. He's outside of it. But we are not, not yet. One day we will be. But not right now. I just want to give you a couple of thoughts tonight as we think on time. As we think on time. Father, would you help me to Focus on what you want me to focus on. Leave alone what you don't. And just bless our time together, we pray. In Jesus' name. Can I remind you that time is really the only irreplaceable commodity that we have? Somebody has health, and you could have that health get deteriorated and get worse, but with God's help, can you be healed and get better? Yeah, you can. You could squander money and with God's help, earn it back. You could replace it, theoretically. Even if you take long, you can even begin to rebuild a reputation. But the one commodity we have that cannot be replaced is time. That's why it's so critical that as parents, more than anything else, we give kids our time. Because there's nothing more precious that we have. It's our time. That we give those we love and those who need it our time. Nothing's more precious. Nothing's more irreplaceable. Can I just pick out a couple of things here just to think on, and then we're going to move to the next part of the service. First of all, look at verse number four. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. We talked about God transcending time. A thousand years is just like yesterday evening. How quickly did your evening go by yesterday? Gone. A thousand years to God, God who dwells in eternity, a thousand years is nothing. Now let me be very careful to make sure everybody knows, this is not a verse that can be used to support the idea of a day-age creation model. God created everything we see in six literal 24-hour days. The Bible is clear. This has nothing to do with that, okay? God transcends time, but he also works within time, see? But, but he transcends time, and, 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 it's, it's, and it's helpful for me sometimes to look at my struggles and the thing that I'm going through and understand that in God's view, this is but a blip. Yes, my world is getting rocked. But in view of eternity, the sufferings that we go through down here will be as nothing when we enter into his realm that knows no time. Because he's bigger than all of that. But then you keep reading and it says in uh, verse number 9, I'm especially interested in the second phrase. 
We spend our years as a tale that is told. That word spend, what's it mean? It means we give that up in exchange for something else. When you spend money, you are giving that money up in exchange for something else. What are you getting back in exchange for your time? Many of us, if we're honest, would look back and say, my goodness, I have spent a lot of time getting nothing in return. I was talking this, this afternoon with the young men from West Coast, and they were asking me for some, you know, life lessons. You know, what have you learned? I said, well, less than I should have, I'm sure. But I'll tell you something that I've been really wrestling with and trying to improve upon is how easy it is to waste time. Obviously, we shouldn't do things we shouldn't, like, like with our phones. We shouldn't look at things that are wicked. On, of course we shouldn't. We know that. But how many of us, maybe that's not our struggle. Our struggle is we blow all kinds of time on dumb things that don't really do any, you know, a game or cat videos or whatever. By the way, they designed social media to do that. It's addicting. So my question to you would be the same question I'm asking myself. How are you investing your time? How are you spending it? Because it goes on to say, we spend our years as a, as a tale that is told. Because how you invest your time is how you're writing your story. Where's your story at right now? Because God gives us the freedom and the, and the, uh, the, the latitude to write a lot of our own story. How's yours coming along? It depends on how you're investing and spending your time. And I've been thinking a lot about 2024 in relation to 2023, and I really want to do a better job of how I spend my time because I want my story to get better. I want a better story for people to read in my life next year than this year. Let's keep looking. Verse number 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. And you're thinking, wow, that's an encouraging verse. But it is helpful to be reminded, just as James tells us, our life's but a vapor. We need to treat it for the precious resource that it is because before we know it, it's gone. I look at my own life and how I've spent my life and my soul. So much of it just vanished like a vapor. Not to keep giving Facebook props, but they do this thing on Facebook where they'll, they'll bring up something from your past to remind you. And almost always, it's one of my kids this big. You know, some video we posted, some picture we posted. What's my immediate response? Oh, that was a long time ago. And now look at them. You know. Life moves fast. To our young people. I heard the same things when I was your age, and I dismissed it just like you're likely to. But please, please hear me. Don't rush it. Enjoy being who God made you to be for this season of your life. And learn everything you need to learn to be who God wants you to be in the next season of your life. It will come soon enough. 
And the only thing that's going to stop it is if eternity invades. Whether that's death or the rapture, the only thing that's going to stop it is eternity. Time's fleeting. Use it wisely. So what, what is the so what that I want to give you tonight? Verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Remember where Moses is in his life. At this point, Moses almost certainly knows that he is among this generation that won't see the promised land. I have this much time left. Now, aren't you glad that God doesn't tell you the day of your death? So, well, I'd like to know. I don't. I don't want to know that. I get depressed enough when I get to the next to last day of vacation. <laughs> I don't want to know that life's about to end. Moses did know that. And what is his prayer? Lord, for as much time as I have, teach me. It's a process to number my days, to make them count. That I might apply my heart unto wisdom. I'll not go into the promised land. I'll die in the next 40 years. Now, he could have dwelled on that and just gone in his tent and pouted, but he didn't. Okay, Lord, this is how much time I've got left. Help me to make it count. What would I change about 2023? A good bit. What can I do about 2023? Not a thing. What can I do now? Lord, teach me to number my days. I may apply my heart unto wisdom for 2024. Just some thoughts about time.